This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 144. Ring, ring, ring. Hi, I just called your cell. Hi. Hi, this is Danny. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Brandon. I uh, found your website online about your house that you buy. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a house that you'd like to sell? You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. Hey, Brandon. Hey, what's up? I'm recording live inside of an actual coffee can right now. Do you hear that echo? Yeah. Echo, echo, echo. 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 Where are you? I'm at a co-working space in North Dakota, because I'm driving to a wedding in Minnesota. But how are you, Josh? Wow, they have co-working spaces in North they Dakota? They do. Fargo, I know. Pretty cool. Oh Check it out sometime. All six it's people called, in uh, Fargo are, are the working. Prairie, the Prairie space. Den. If you're in Fargo, the Prairie nice. Den. Rock yeah. on. Rock so anyway, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, why, why are you in Fargo, by the way? I'm just driving through. Wedding. Oh, way. Where? Which way? Minnesota. Okay. Like, we, we know your life. We want to know more. <laughs> Talk to us. My friend Jessica, who is one of my best friends in the oh, world, Jessica Jessica's yeah, getting remember. married to oh. an awesome guy. I don't know his name. And <laughs> uh, I am playing guitar in the wedding on Friday night. So For Jessica and what's his name? For Jessica and what's his name? Nice. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. Jessica's That's my great. homie. We're buds. Apparently, uh, apparently not her and her husband. I don't, I don't so know well. him. Yeah, I don't know him very well. Well, all's well here. We're doing well, man. You know, rocking and rolling. BP continues to to plug away, and and uh, it's getting cool. Finally, I'm I'm pretty excited about the fall. So finally. Oh, I thought yeah. you meant like cool as in like this is cool, like Fonzie cool. Yeah, hey. Big Pockets is finally cool. It's finally cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it's not. It is there. not cool yet. All right, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Awesome, man. Well, uh, got a good show as we typically do. And- yeah. I, I really like today's show and all. We just got done it. I really, really, really liked it. Probably because I'm kind of introverted. You know, people yeah. might not know that because I'm on the podcast, but that's why I'm here because you can't see me. I will tell a funny story. To will you? Your podcast. I will. You, I think you've it's, told a, it's a million introvert joke. stories about. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when we, we had our 10 year party here at Bigger Pockets, Brandon was in attendance and yeah, there were, there were a lot of people. The room was packed and Brandon Turner, this, this, you know, tall guy that everybody knows. Good looking, really, handsome, muscular. Keep going. Um, we're talking about a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> the guy I'm talking about was hiding in a corner. Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about him. He literally sit in the corner, sat in the corner the entire, he stood. I in stood, stood in the corner. Yeah. Well, even if you sat, you'd be taller than And it wasn't else. quite, it was, it was like the bathroom wall. I mean, it's not quite corner. It's like <laughs> close the ba- enough to yeah. the corner. Do you guys remember high school? Like the nerdy kids were like <laughs> out by the bathroom. Yeah. So that was Brandon the entire time. Didn't really move from that area. Now, granted, lots of people came to him. Yep, that's what I do. See a mountain in a room. Uh-huh. I just stand there and let it's people there. come to me. I just draw them in. The well, law of attraction, right here. It was, it's our it's our running <laughs> joke at Bigger Pockets about how Brandon is going to go hide in the corner. When, that's what I do. You know, people show up. So anyway, anyway, that's why uh, this show is going to be good. But we'll get to that in a minute. Before yes. we do, let's do today's quick tip. tip. 
All right, today's quick tip is we've got a lot of changes happening to the bigger pockets calculators, especially the rental property calculator. And I mean, because we're recording this a few weeks before the show comes out, I don't know exactly the state it'll be in, but every other day or so, it changes dramatically. So go check it out, biggerpockets.com slash calc, see what's different today. And uh, it's it's becoming very, very uh, helpful in my life. And it's going to become increasingly helpful in your life as well over the coming months. So check it out, biggerpockets.com slash calc. And not just that, but we're, 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 we're revamping some, a lot of stuff. Right we got now. a lot of stuff coming, yeah. guys. A lot of big changes coming soon. Look, feel, tools, things like that. So, so definitely, if you haven't been on the site in a while, check back at biggerpockets.com. Before we introduce our guest, uh, just big thanks to everybody for all the ratings and reviews. Yeah. You guys have been amazing. They're coming in and uh, uh, they're fantastic, especially the ones that tell me to shut up. I love those. Those are awesome. So, those yeah, are my favorite. It, yeah. No, no, you guys, they're really supportive. We really appreciate them. And uh, if you haven't yet left us one, please do so uh, on iTunes. And, yeah, we have, uh, have 1,567 reviews on iTunes. So Not enough. Thank you. Not enough. We're <laughs> waiting for 2,000. There we are. We are, we are. All right, cool. So passive income without the property headache, it's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Let's do this. Today's show featuring 
Danny Johnson. Danny has uh, Danny's been around for about twelve years as a real estate investor. Uh, he's done all sorts of stuff, wholesaling, flipping. He's probably one of the better marketers out there. Yeah. Um, he's he's really great at online. He's great at offline as well. But he's, and, a, uh, he's a little shy. A little, he's a little a shy bit, guy. A little bit quiet. And I know for me, like I said earlier, that obviously appeals to me. That's why I like today's show. And if you guys are not super A-type personality and you know angry New Yorker like Josh here, Oh. You might pick up some really good tips today on how to invest in real estate when maybe you're not as outgoing as you, and you would don't like have to, to be. be. Angry like me? I mean, you know, not many people are as angry as you. Wow, <laughs> it's not true what they say, folks. Really. It is. It is I'm true. Not, I'm not that angry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, so Danny's great. We're we're really excited to have him, and uh, let's just get to this thing and, and make moves. So cool. All right, Danny, welcome back to the show, man. It's been a while. Show. 18, I believe, was your episode. Welcome, uh, welcome back. Yeah, welcome, uh, or thank you. I should <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, let's, I let's interview uh, Brandon here. It's, welcome, it's been, yes. It's been so long. I was like, what is your name again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, last time, you know, we talked to you, uh, we talked a lot about, I don't know, what we talked about flipping, we talked about wholesaling, we talked about marketing. marketing. Yeah, we did marketing. We did a lot of cool stuff like that. So today, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit of that as well. First of all, I want to know, for those people, well, maybe I don't want to know, I know. For those people who don't know you, maybe didn't listen to the last episode, who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm Danny Johnson, and I flip houses in San Antonio. My wife and I have been flipping houses, I think it's 12 years now, maybe a little bit more. Whoa. Time flies like crazy, but uh, we've we've rehabbed and flipped over 200 houses over that amount of time, and we're still actively doing it. I blog at Flipping uh, Junkie is my blog where I, I talk about a lot of that, but the uh, flipping is what we mainly do with rehabbing and then wholesaling and some bird dogging and stuff like that. Okay, cool, cool. And you've been doing this, you said, 12 years. So in that time, you've clearly seen the market being really, really good yeah. and then really, really bad. Yeah. And then really, really good. At least, <laughs> and when I say good and bad, I, I'm talking about in terms of, uh, I don't know, maybe a buyer's market. I mean, you know, like houses are selling really well and then houses are not selling very well and then houses are selling well. Cause I, I mean, honestly, right? To a lot of investors, we could say it's the opposite. The market was really, really bad for us and then it was right. really, really good for us and then it was really, really bad for us. And, uh, right. And that's yeah. the thing. It's like, it's, it's going to be either easy to find deals or easier to find deals and a little bit tougher to sell the houses or it's going to be you know harder to find good deals but really easy to sell them and right now we're in a position where it's pretty hard to find good deals but selling them is pretty easy you know it's like houses here in San Antonio are flying off the market now really fast you know typically when we have something for sale as soon as it's listed you know it's sold within a day or two wow and um you know it's, it's been hot. like that for a little while so yeah that's, that's great cool. so i, I kind of want to get caught up to, to here. So we had you, it was about two and a half years ago, give or take. Um, again, at that point you were doing, I think it was a bit of wholesaling and, and uh, a bunch of flipping. Take us through the last two years. You know, uh, what, what was the shift? Um, you said you're primarily doing uh, the, the flipping now. D- does that mean you've totally stopped doing any wholesaling or? or? No, we still do wholesaling and, and really the rehabbing, you know, you make more money on a rehab typically than you do on a wholesale. And when the market's so good, you know, houses selling, you know, really fast that anything that makes sense to rehab gets rehabbed and sold, you know, retail. And so what I mean by anything that, that makes sense for a rehab and retail is, 
that houses in the area where I get the lead, wherever that house is, if there's houses selling there on the MLS, you know, people are getting new loans for them, then that's going to be one that we're going to pick up to fix up and, and sell. Now, the ones that I wholesale are typically the houses are, that are in areas that are a little bit lesser, you know, they're less than medium home price, median home price, and they're just not in that great of areas where the prices in the, the retail sales aren't there. So it just makes more sense for me to, to wholesale those to landlords and other people doing owner finance and things like that. Okay. Not, that makes sense. By, by the way, I just realized something. I feel like I'm interviewing Sean Penn. I, I don't, has anyone <laughs> ever told you that you are like the, the doppelganger yeah. of Sean Penn? Yeah, my old my old job. I got that all the time. Oh my god! I just realized it's been that. a while. Fascinating. Though. Yeah, look at that. That's funny. I I can see it. Do you see it? I see it. I like it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm always That's... hearing the Maroon Five thing with you. I, I forgot that guy's name, but yeah, yeah. And I, I but he was the so sexiest man on earth. So you know, it's yeah. We gotta I'll, figure I'll out that. Brandon is now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like Shaggy Doo or something. Well, there's that there's <laughs> that uh, Slim Jim commercial with the Sasquatch. Okay, yeah, that's me. That's me. Okay, so let, let's talk about wholesaling real quickly because I realize, you know, I do a lot of webinars on BP and people ask a lot of questions uh, during them. And one of the questions they always ask is, what the heck is wholesaling? And I feel like we talk about it all the time. And so people should know, but honestly, newbies don't know necessarily what wholesaling is. So real quickly, can you kind of explain what is wholesaling? What are we talking about? Okay. With the wholesaling, what we're talking about, well, there could be several things that we're talking about, but in general, the way I see wholesaling is where you are buying a house, but you're not actually going to close on the house and fix it up yourself and sell it. You might actually close it, but your intention is to not really fix it up. And so the ways to do that are you have the um, assignment of contracts. So if you put the house under contract to buy, so let's say Joe Seller is selling their house for 50000 and uh, you put it under a contract for 50000 and let's say that house is worth a hundred thousand, and I have a ton of investors that are willing to buy that at seventy percent minus repairs. And not to get too far into math here, but if if we bought it at fifty, there's twenty thousand dollars between what my investor would pay for it and what I'm buying it for. So if the repairs are less than that, I get to pocket the difference. So let's say, for sake of simplicity, ten thousand repairs. So now I can sell that to my investor. For ten thousand dollars, because he will be interested in buying it for sixty, which is the hundred thousand dollar retail value minus the thirty percent, because he wants to buy at seventy percent of market value. So that's seventy thousand minus the ten thousand repairs. So he's willing to pay sixty thousand for it, and I put it under contract for sixty. I mean fifty. I'm sorry. Fifty. Yep. Yep. And so I would then sign an assignment of contract with him, where he agrees to pay me the difference, which is the ten thousand dollars when he closes on it. So I don't even close on the house. He closes, and I get paid once he closes. Uh, typically, I'll accept a non-refundable earnest money deposit to make sure he's serious because I don't want an investor tying up the deal and then not being able to close because it makes me look bad because I'm the one that signed the original contract saying I would close. And so that that gets into where you really need to have strong buyers. And we can go a long ways down that path of like, you know, how to determine who's a serious investor buyer that you would assign these contracts to. And, you know, but quickly we could talk about the other part of wholesaling, which is a double close, which is a lot safer these days because there's states like Ohio and things like that. Brandon, you and I were talking about that the other day yeah. uh, where there's some issues with uh, assignments of contract or, you know, just with things being a little bit unclear. and Brokering and, and all that. Yeah, brokering where if you're not an agent and they look at it like you're brokering, you're, you're finding a buyer for a seller of a house. But uh, and some people look at it like, well, if you have it under contract, you have a vested interest in, and so you're actually selling the contract, not the house. 
But, you know, that's where it's sort of a gray area in some of those states. So uh, one of the ways that we talked about being able to get around that is to do the double close where you actually do close on it. And then you have your buyer uh, turn around and close. So it's two transactions, like you and the homeowner. So the homeowner is a seller, you're the buyer. And on the second transaction, you're the seller and your investor buyer is the buyer. And so with that, you're actually owning the property before you sell it, even if that's just for like 15 minutes. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I like that you brought up finding a buyer you can count on. I don't, I I know we've talked about it, but I I think it'd be a a good topic to kind of dip into a little bit here. Um, How do you do that? I mean, you know, how do I know that you, uh, the, the flipper, right, are somebody that I can count on or you the landlord or somebody that I can count on to actually end up closing the deal as a wholesaler? You know, how can I trust, um, how can I trust you? Yeah, and that, that comes into the research of how you found out about me. And what I like to do is find the people that I know bought houses, you know, and they paid cash for them. They closed quickly. Either other, told, other people told me that they did or I saw that they actually did. Yeah. And there's ways to check the MLS for properties that were sold and then check deed records online. Most places have deed records online and you can see who bought them. So you can find out who's buying a lot of the, the deals. So if you have a list of people that paid cash for properties, then you can start to contact them and say, hey, you know, you want more deals. I, I'm a wholesaler. I can find exact deal just like this one that you bought at X and, you know, XYZ address. And then you know that they're, they're pretty serious. And one quick way that I also determine whether you know, somebody is real serious is when you talk to them about a deal. If the person, the investor buyer says, okay, what's the address? What's the price? Is there a way to get in? I know they're usually pretty serious. The guy that's asking how old's the roof or what shape is the carpet in, you know, you could go either way. But but typically I'm, I'm going to say that that person's probably not going to be able to commit very quickly. Uh, doesn't, uh, and you know, typically the guys that are buying a lot and quickly are, are straight to the point. I just want to know how I can look at it, what the price is, and I'll tell you yes or no. Interesting. And so, uh, yeah, that that's, that's how I do that briefly. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, uh, they know when they go in, they're going to figure it out, right? So what do they need to waste your time with the details? They're going to come to their own evaluation on on what it's worth regardless and what the repairs are regardless, right? Right. And and some people, you know, it's one of those things with like finding a contractor's um, similar to this. You know, sometimes people don't want to, and I know I, I say that because I had this trouble, like, you know, you were busy, we're, we're rock and roll and doing deals, getting, looking at leads, making offers. And, you know, it comes time where we have trouble with our contractor. I've got to find a new contractor. And then I'm, I'm thinking, man, I don't really feel like spending time trying to find a good contractor. So, you know, I talked to a couple, if he seems decent, like, all right, let's go. But then you run into problems quickly and it's like a nightmare. Yeah. And typically as a rehabber, if you've got bad contractors, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So, Taking the time to find the right contractor, taking the time to find the right buyer, cash buyer for properties is well worth all the time spent. And so you can build up a big buyer's list as a safety net, but really what you want to do is find the four or five guys that are really serious, really good, and are not going to waste your time. It's a, it, it just saves so much time, hassle, and effort, and then you don't have to worry, like, is this going to close? You know, I'm so worried I got to check in. I don't know if this guy's going to be able to close. Then I'm, you know, scrambling to find another buyer and, and all that. Because so, you definitely don't want to end up going back to the seller and say, hey, I couldn't close. I need more time. You know, all those kind of things. When you're promising a quick close, you need to be able to do it. So uh, find the, the serious buyers for that. So Yeah, yeah makes sense. sense. No, that's great. Good, good, good explanation. I, th- I think it's awesome. So, all right. So you are 
are in Texas. The market is pretty good on the sales side. It's fairly competitive on the acquisition side. So what are you doing? You know, how are we, how are we getting in there and scrapping up deals that, you know, the other thousands of investors aren't getting their hands on? All right. So that's, uh, that gets into what we're doing. I mean, basically these days, all I'm really using is my website, Danny Buys Houses, to, to generate my leads for me. And that said, you know, you can get leads and everything, but with the competition, typically where we're picking some things up is where uh, there's follow up. You know, so there may be a lot of competition, but you got to look at how much competition of your competition is actually following up with people. And not only that, who's picking up their phone? I just talked to a seller yesterday. He called me up and said, you know, I've called you know five people, I think, before me. And, and my first thought was, man, how come I wasn't first? But, you know, he <laughs> called five people before me and he said all of those were machines. And he said, you know what I do? I hang up on those. I don't want to talk to a machine. I want to talk to a person. He said, yeah. you're the first one that picked up his phone. And so if he's got that kind of attitude and I uh, talk to him, set up an appointment to see his house and let him feel like he's accomplished what he set out to, even if those other people call him back a lot of times, they, you know, he might not even want to mess with them, you know? Yeah. And, and I guarantee you that probably if the four or five that he called before me, if, if any of them did call back, it was probably only one anyway. You know, that's just the way it goes. It's weird. People spend all that time and energy, you know, doing marketing, but not answering their phone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's fascinating. Fascinating. And, and it, it's like, it's, it's the small things in business that, that give you that competitive advantage. And, and, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I, I think people, you know, you even see it on the forums. They talk about, well, what's, what's the best, you know, how do I leave my voicemail and what, what should it sound like and things like that. And you're like, just answer, just pick up yeah. or pay, pay for a service to answer the phone for you so that at least, you get those people on the phone because it's true. These people, you know, the, the folks that you're marketing to primarily as a wholesaler are people who, you know, they don't have a, a lot of time for the BS, so to speak. I, I typically they're folks who are in a position where, you know, they could list it on the MLS if they had time for the BS, if they want to be done with it. Right. You know, they want to talk to somebody and knock it out. Right. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So, you know, your well, website, if I Go could ahead. say real quick too, like the, the thing with answering the phone that I, you know, I hear a lot of people you know, talking about using Google Voice, and I'm not sure what I, I don't know if the 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 thinking is like I need another number because I don't want people calling my cell phone. Like honestly, you're not going to have your phone ringing off the hook. If it did, that's awesome. You know, I'd love for my phone to ring off the hook with leads. But you know, when you first do that marketing, you feel like oh, it's going to ring off the hook, and then it doesn't, and you're just like, wow, what I do wrong? But the, you just don't get a lot of calls for people wanting to sell their house super cheap, but the, you know, the Google Voice thing really bugs me because I know I, myself, when I call a number and it's a, it says, you know, say your name so I can try to reach the subscriber. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to mess with that. I don't, I just hang up. I, I turn that you off know? on my Google Voice because I want it just to ring my phone like a normal phone. Can you do that? Yeah, you can turn that off. And no, I, I, know I, you see, can I didn't that even know. Yeah, that. I turn that off because, yeah, I, I hate that thing too. And so, yeah, you can yeah, definitely yeah. Turn, turn it off. And so, People yeah. should. If they use one, definitely, I think a lot of people just hang up on that. Yep, I think so too. I, I definitely think so. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, it's easy to send out direct mail letters. I mean, relatively. It's, it's not very scary. It's easy to drive for dollars somewhat. It's easy to look up properties on the MLS. It's scary to answer your phone and talk to somebody live. So maybe, can we just do something kind of fun here? I think it'd be fun. You want to do, you guys want to do some role playing? Uh, <laughs> well, sure. I want, I want to work through this with you because I want to pretend that uh, I am, uh, let's say I, I, you're Danny and I just called your website and I'm a house seller. 
You guys up for this? Brandon! <laughs> okay. You're on the phone! Yeah. Okay, so I just I just found your website online and I... Uh, Stop you know. calling those telemarketers! <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I'm your wife! <laughs> Is that what Heather sounds like? Oh, she'll love you for that. All right. So let's let's just uh, do some quick role playing here. So I'm 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 just calling you. So ring 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 ring. I right, just called your cell. Hi, hi. This is Danny. Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Brandon. I uh, found your website online about your house that you buy. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a house that you'd like to sell? I I, I do. Well, I think I think so. Anyway, I mean, I I, I got it as a uh, as a inheritance. My father passed away last year. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and, and can you tell me a little bit about the house? Uh, you know, what part of town it is? Uh, sure. Uh, it's over you know, by uh, you know the Safeway over on uh, you know Third Street, uh, kind of back in that area. It's it's a pretty good area, and uh, you know it's it was rented for a long time to my brother-in-law who ended up not paying rent for a couple of years, and now it, it's just kind of trashed. And so I just I just kind of want to get rid of it at this point, but. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common, actually common situation that, that I hear a lot. People want to help out their family and siblings and, and, uh, gets a little bit taken advantage of. Sometimes the house gets uh, destroyed. Do you mind giving me the address of the house? Sure. It's uh one, two, three, third street. Uh, in, uh, easy. Yeah. yeah easy pretty easy. <laughs> uh, and how many bedrooms and bathrooms does the house have? Uh, we've got, uh, I think there's three bedrooms on the main floor and then one upstairs and there's two bathrooms total. Okay, and what kind of general shape is the house? And any any major repairs needed? Foundation problems? Plumbing, um, electrical? You know, the, the roof is looks pretty pretty bad. I mean, I can just kind of see a lot of water spots coming through the ceiling. And uh, other other than that, I think I think it's it's okay. I mean, there's you know, it, it's not it's not great. I'm not gonna lie, it's, it's not in great condition because you know he didn't clean for a couple of years, and then we just shut the door and left it for six months. So that's what. Okay. Is there anything owed still on the property? Uh, no, it was, uh, it was given to us just, you know, free and clear. All right. And, um, you have an asking price in mind for it? Uh, I, I don't know. I was kind of hoping you could tell me that. Not, sure. Uh, yeah. That, that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, what, what time can I come over there today to see it? Oh, well, today, uh, I mean, I'm around right, right now. I can meet you anytime. I, I don't, I don't have a job, so I just... Retired. Okay. Well, well, that's great. Yeah. I can, I can make it right over there. So I'll, I'll be there in about 30 minutes and, uh, doesn't take very long for me to go through the house. So I won't be keeping you there forever. I'm not going to, you'll crawl underneath it or crawl over top of it or anything like that up in the attic or anything. So it's, it's pretty quick. So, um, okay. Can I get your, uh, your name and, and best uh, way to reach you? Telephone number? Sure. Sure. All right. I'm ending this. That was good. Okay. That was good. That was good. It's was kind good. of weird when I'm looking at you on video. <laughs> You're very, you're very, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, disarming. You know, there's yeah, no way yeah. to be angry at Danny or like, you know, even if you were just like pissed off for some reason, like he's so soft spoken and gentle that like, you know, like I feel like I'm going to get a hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a couple of things that I noticed that, that I liked. I mean, first of all, um, you definitely like identified me with me in a number of cases. Like, oh yeah, I know that happens a lot. You know, people get taken advantage of, you know, it was, it wasn't, you're, you're stupid. Why'd you rent to your brother-in-law or, yeah. you know, why didn't you, why is he there for two years? I mean, it was very much like, oh yeah, this, this happens. I mean, almost like, yeah, you're the victim, you know, like, you know, it, well, it's like it wasn't disarming. my fault. It's, yeah. It's you're not, relating to, yeah. to the other person so that they, yeah. And the, and the general, needs. general flow of my conversations, cause it changes depending on what they tell me, you sure. know, and if it's like, he started talking about, you know, Brandon, you started talking about, 
you know, the situation. So I wanted to be quiet as much as I could to let you talk about all the situation so that I can get to really what the bottom of the story is, you know. Like and that. then going from there, just find out some details about the house really quick and and then when you get to the point where you can talk about what's owed, because that's obviously really important. If they owe a whole lot of money on it, you don't want to waste their time. So yeah, you know, find that out. And, and really, people are afraid to ask people that how much is owed on it. And really, if you're talking to somebody that's you know like selling the house on the MLS for top dollar, it's been completely fixed up, looks brand new. Asking them what they owe, they might take offense to it. But motivated sellers or just sellers that want to sell something like in your situation in that role playing, it's it's just like how you handled it. You know, they they just tell you it's not a big deal to them. Yeah. Well, you know, so if you just ask, let me ask you what what would you have said had I said you know. Oh yeah, we we owe quite a bit on that. He you know he more leveraged it out pretty well. Or had a high mortgage. It was I don't know. Let's say one hundred and fifty thousand dollars we owe on it, and you knew it was worth like one hundred and sixty. Like what would you say at that point? At that point, I think well, it depends on how much I really felt like I knew whether that was the value. You know, a big city like San Antonio, there's some areas I do know pretty well, but I still there can still be some pockets that are a little bit more or whatever. So I, I don't typically say. Um, you know, one way or the other, like, oh, I can't do it right away. I still want to do a little bit of research. And some things that you can ask is if you know what other houses in the area are selling for, because sometimes they have done research. They've talked to realtors and they know. And then the other thing is to ask maybe what the county has it, you know, assess that. Because a lot of times that can give you at least a rough idea. But if there's any, if there, if they, and then you could also ask how long, you know, how long ago did they buy it? If they bought it last year and then you ask how much they put down and they didn't, put barely anything down, maybe it was FHA or something, you know, then likely there's not much room. You yeah. know what I mean? But but otherwise, if I have any doubt or I'm not really completely sure of what it could sell for, I still try to set the appointment. And, you know, obviously it won't be like where if they're going to be over there, like leaving to go over there right away, it's something where there's a little bit of time. Then I can quickly get off the phone and do the research. And then if it's like definitely I can't do anything with it, if I know another investor I think might be able to, then I'll contact the seller again and say, I'm sorry, it doesn't really fit my criteria after I did the research. But Johnny, you know, my good friend, said he was looking for some houses recently. He's willing to pay a little bit more. So would you mind me having him give you a call? And then that way you still, you know, you can still refer, you know, the lead maybe. But um, otherwise it's, you know, just sorry, I'm, I don't want to waste your time. I, I don't think I could buy the house. Right yeah. No, that's great. That's great. And then sometimes if they're, you know, if they don't maybe seem really motivated to, and um, it seems like they want, they don't owe that much, but they seem like they really want a lot of money for it. You know, sometimes then also I'll do the research and then call them back and say, look, you know, I don't want to waste any of your time. Seem like you want to a little bit more than I might be able to pay. I can probably get you something around this number, like a ballpark figure. You know, that way I can feel them out just a little bit more. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of times you'll think that, oh, they're not that motivated. Then you tell them I can pay this ballpark and they say, oh, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. You know, it's like they're a little bit more motivated than they let on. So what, yeah, you be know, careful with assumptions. The, yeah. the phone call thing, the, the phone marketing, you know, is something that a lot of people associate with wholesaling, right? It's the, you know, build the lead website to get those off-market deals so that you can wholesale them. At least that's what I tend to hear. Right. Why do you think more flippers and landlords are not actually doing the full marketing push that the average wholesaler is doing? Well, see, that's that's sort of surprising to me because I I've always you know done the, well. I haven't always done the motivated sale marketing, but you know we um, and it's actually funny because my wife and I were just sort of talking about this the other day when we were going on for, for a walk. See, I had um, 
I guess the story starts with uh, a tattoo. <laughs> Oh my God, really? So Melissa, my wife and I, she's in the business with me, has been since the beginning. And we went and and did a long vacation to San Francisco just uh, a couple, like a a week. I think, I guess it's already been a week and a half ago. But anyway, so so we went to vacation. Yeah. Well, we didn't plan on it until we got there. So, you know what? Let's get tattoos. So we, I got a bigger pockets tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Danny has pulled his shirt off and is showing us a giant pocket on his chest. Right, it's too bad we changed our logo and nobody knows what the <laughs> hell that is. You mean it's not in old English? No, but yeah. um, <laughs> anyway, so we you know got the tattoos and everything, and it was sort of um, anyway that was fun and interesting. But uh, the reason why I'm talking about that is we came back, and I had lunch with uh, one of our first mentors that we had one of the very first ones and I wanted to talk with him, get some advice from him because we still get advice from mentors and everybody should, but about estate planning and you know, it's really important because it's so easy to put off things like that, but man, it's really important to take care of a lot of your estate stuff, especially once you get into business and start doing things and get assets. So I was talking with him and you know, and the conversation started out, we, you know, we talked about the trip and everything that my wife and I took and told him I got a tattoo and he said, well, I'd like to see it. So I showed him my arm and you know, his he looked really interested, and then it like the look changed to a look of concern. Like <laughs> that looks like it might be infected. You know? <laughs> it was like swollen and red, and I I had been looking at it, think yeah, it's kind of tender still, but it'd been like almost you know like a probably five days, I guess. And so I started wondering the whole time, like, is this thing really infected? <laughs> you know? And so the whole talk that we were having about estate planning, like he's telling me all this awesome advice and everything, but I'm kind of like switching my mind between two (laughs) things. I'm thinking about infection and then like everything he's trying to tell me. So that was hilarious. But anyway, it's not infected, by the way. It's it's nicely. I'm good. Actually waiting for the scabs to fall off. No, but. um, (laughs) 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 Okay. So. Wow. Said that, didn't I? All right. So my wife and I were. So we were talking on our walk about, you know, when I was meeting with, with one of our mentors and, you know, sort of, you know, talking about what it was like when we got started, right? And, you know, the struggles that we went through and how hard, like, just trying to put ourselves back in that position again. Like, you know, it, it, it's been a while, but, you know, we were able to, it's sort of like when you smell something and it, like, makes you remember of a place you were at or whatever. Like, talking with my mentor, like, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff brought a lot of the, the memories back, but... When we when we got started, and this ties in, trust me. You know, like the <laughs> By the way, I was going to say the smell of infection reminds me of San Francisco, <laughs> so I get, I get I get it. See, now you're going to be thinking infection this whole time, but um, yeah, <laughs> you're going to make me lose my train of thought here. Okay, so we um, you're with your yeah. wife, you're you're walking down the street, and mm, you get a tattoo, it gets infected. I don't know, I'm lost already myself. <laughs> Okay, you guys are talking about, about we, we, we're talking about marketing. we're talking about yes. why people like a lot of other people rehabbers and stuff don't go with the motivational marketing. Yeah. So when we were talking, whenever I first was getting started, like figuring out how I was going to get deals, um, my father had I forgot who it was. It was somebody's course, and it was on VHS tapes. It was old, and it was like grainy, grainy VHS video footage stuff. But this nice. guy's like making calls, like cold calls to Fizbo. Uh, for sale by owner people in the ads and the newspaper classifieds and trying to do creative real estate with them. So he'd call them and say, oh, how much are you asking? And all this weird stuff. You know, if I were to do this and this and five years from now, I'll give you a nickel. And then, 
you know, that kind of thing. It's like, you know, I was thinking, man, I can't do that. Like, first of all, I'm mostly an introvert. And just like the thought of calling these people out of the blue saying I'm going to buy their house from them, cash and or these other weird things terrified me. Right. And so I, I, I watched that and I don't know if I maybe took something from it or not, but I don't, I don't think so. I was like, I definitely don't want to do that. So what can we do to find deals? And so then it was, well, let's get listed properties. When we researched things on the internet and we found like people are buying uh, what's called REO properties, the bank owned properties off the MLS. So these are bank foreclosures that realtors list. And so we started going to look at those, right? So we went and looked at those and we were trying to make offers and build relationships because people on the forums and everything say, well, build relationships, get pocket listings. And, um, you know, it sounds so simple, right? Well, I'm just going to go yeah. build a relationship and get pocket listings. But when you've never done a deal, how the heck do you do that, right? Hey, baby, you know, like I you can't your say, give me your pocket listing. listings, they're going to laugh at you, <laughs> you know, or hang up on you or, you know, put you on the blacklist. But um, so there's there's got to be some strategy involved. And I think that most people starting out, that's just not probably a good place to start because you're going to get disheartened and find out that people don't want to do that. And it's just not as easy as people made it out to be. You know, and so then the next step was, and so that's something that you can do. And obviously we ended up building relationships, but that's after several years in the business. And it really actually even took the market downturn in 2008 because a lot of our competition went by the wayside. And so those realtors didn't have a lot of the people they were selling to because they went out of business. So then yep. we were able to build relationships. But anyway, uh, so that, that, that led us to, okay, well, MLS stuff seems like there's a lot of people chasing after that. It's really kind of difficult. And then I'm not going to cold call FISBO people and offer them a nickel in three years. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and so it was like, well, let's do the marketing that we see. There's people who put the bandit signs up and things like that. And for the people that uh, don't know what a bandit sign is, it's the ones on the telephone poles. But you have to be careful because most places they're illegal. And I, I honestly don't really recommend it anymore in most places. Uh, some places you can get permits for them, so you can look into that with your city. But um, that sounds like a great idea, Danny. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, Somebody told me that was a good idea to, you know, <laughs> put the disclaimer on that. <laughs> but, but I don't. I don't do. I don't do signs anymore. And yeah. uh, but uh, you know, anyway. So the, this is the other marketing though that that you can do. And we were doing what we started with was driving for dollars and driving around looking for vacant houses and sending letters to the owners. And postcards. And, um, you know, I was interested in just getting some deals. So I just didn't really worry too much about what was on the postcards. I think some of our initial ones had like a sky background with like some cash, like some $100 bills, like <laughs> spread across the front. Nice. And the back, it just said, you know, I want to buy it. Yeah, you know, I'd like to buy your house at so and so address and then give Classy. us a call. And it worked. You know, people called us. You know, it wasn't from every one of them, but, you know, we didn't send out that many to begin with and got some calls. But, it was really interesting how that works because then before we were chasing after deals and sort of now it's like you get deals coming to you or leads at least. They may not be deals, but then, you know, you have people calling you and instead of you chasing them, you're sort of chasing them by putting the marketing out. So we always like from the beginning. So we, we tried the MLS stuff and then went to that. And um, so I've always been under the impression that a lot of uh, people do go after you know the the seller marketing. That's a long way around that. I was I was going to ask, why did your wife get involved? I mean, like you guys were debating. I, we never heard that part. We never heard what the tattoo is actually of. And um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the tattoo is uh, it's a three bladed airplane propeller because I'm crazy about aviation. 
Nice. And so I, I got a three-bladed propeller nice. on my forearm. Nice. Right on. And then the debate with your wife was, it was just general conversation, like why are more people not doing this is, is kind of what I'm hearing. Well, I don't know that we debated it. It was just oh. more of a... Yeah, I don't recall really debating. I don't know where that came from. I might have put words in your mouth. That's possible. That was a really long story. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) It was somewhat interesting, at least. But, you know, I I think a lot of people go through that, though. They they think, you know, they struggle with where to, like, that's the talk that we had. It wasn't a debate. It was more of like, you know, like talking about, you know, how it used to be with us trying to figure out everything that we can to find a lead. Because really, until you have leads, like, you're not going anywhere in the business. So you don't need to buy the buyer's list. You don't need to do all this drama. You just got to get the leads, right? Right. Start taking calls, right? You know, and talk to even if you're not sure where to get the money. And I can go into a whole another long story about how we started. Please don't. I mean, to- yeah, sure. Later. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs> well, here's, here's what I want to know. I mean, how old are you right now? Do you mind me asking? Uh, I'm 37. Okay. So 12 years ago, you're... 25-ish years right. old. And I look 16. Okay, you look 16. <laughs> what advice does 37-year-old Danny give to 25-year-old uh, Danny just getting started out? You're sitting down with you and your wife. You're the mentor now. What do you tell these you know, complete newbies? How do you get going? Okay, so what I would tell myself is, first of all, don't worry that you look too young. <laughs> Have confidence that people will take you seriously. Um, I don't know how many times... I'm sorry, I always go into these stories and stuff, but how many times I went to the house and the people would actually tell me, uh, so is your dad the one that buys the house? (laughs) 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 And I'm taken aback a little bit by it, but you know, you just have to be confident and say, no, I'm actually the one. We've bought, you know, 20 houses or, you know, whatever. But but anyway, so I would tell myself is basically don't uh, worry about people thinking I'm too young. Confidence goes a long way in all of this. When When you're dealing with sellers, you know, honestly, they're, they're trusting you to be actually be able to close and buy their house so that these big decisions that they make with whatever they're doing with the money or wherever they're moving to and um, all that sort of thing is going to be taken care of. So that's huge. You know, not enough people talk about, you know, how much trust they're having in us to be able to do what we're saying we're going to do. So having that confidence, I think, goes a long way. And that, that gets into sort of the mindset so I'm going to take this answer and go forever with it. But the mindset of like knowing, you know, like having the confidence of building and knowing that you're going to get deals yeah. changes the way you approach all of this, whether you know it or not. And I think the people that that can come to that conclusion and feel that way and be that way with the confidence when they're doing this end up with a lot more deals than the people that, that don't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, th- I think there's so much conversation about getting going. There's so much conversation about building your business. There's so much conversation about uh, the fears and things that people are afraid of. I, I wish there were more conversation about just you know getting that mindset that you need in order to be successful, right? I mean, b- because there is a frame of mind that you have to be in, you know, and, and I think lots of people never start because of that frame of mind. It's why we asked the last question on every single show uh, that Brandon asks, you know, uh, about people succeeding versus not getting started. You know, it's, there is a frame of mind that you have to get to. And, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to think back, uh, particularly when there's folks who, you know, have been doing this for a long time to say, you know, what has changed for me since then? Because I had to be in the right mindset to get to the starting point. But how, how did that 
mindset transition over time. You've been doing this for 12 years. So my question to you is, what has that transition been? Because you first had to get to the place, let me get started. How'd you get to the place, I want to really start to grow this and scale this, become full-time and kind of go on and going on and on. Yeah, and and it's interesting because you you can make transitions in the positive direction, but then you can also transition back to negative directions, even over this many years. And, And I was telling Brandon that, you know, that recently I sort of dealt with that. But in the beginning... You know, when there's the the wondering about, is this possible in my area? You know, my father was flipping houses, so I knew it was possible, even though he was in a different area. We're in San Antonio. He buys outside of San Antonio. You know, so I, I saw other people doing it. And then, you know, we met our mentor and everything, and I knew that he had been doing it for a long time. So I knew, but even though you know other people that do it, you wonder if you're able to, right? You wonder if you are going to be able to do some of those things that they're going to be able, that they do. And until you really get that first deal, it, it's going so much on faith. It's going so much on, you know, having the ability to work through and just know that no matter what, you're going to make it. You're going to change things up as you go. And no matter what, you're going to you know, make it. Do what has to be done, and eventually you're going to make it. And so, um, I don't know. That seems like a lot of words for some people, but really there's a lot of meaning behind it. And um, yeah. After you get that first one, you've done it. You know, you've you've done it, and it becomes so much easier. And the next ones come quicker and quicker. And before yeah. you know it, you're wondering why you ever doubted it, right? Yeah. So it's just getting that first one, and the whole thing is just plowing ahead, going. You know, I'm not giving up. I if this isn't working, I'm not just going to throw up my arms and say it doesn't work here. I can't do it. And it's funny because I used to think when before we had done our first deal, because I think it took us six months or so to do the four or six months or something. And uh, I remember thinking, well, maybe. Uh, you know, like our mentor and other people we know, it was easier for them because there weren't as many investors. And probably a lot these days, people are thinking that same thing, right? So it's like you get the excuse, you know, the bail yourself out, like, you know, a reason excuse to be able to give up because it's different now. But it's not. Yeah. And and that's where I'm coming back to this whole thing where I said that sometimes you make the transition back even because things have gotten real heated here. And um, I went through several months of not getting a deal, and I was starting to think, oh, the competition's gotten to the level where it's, it's crazy. I, I'm just having more trouble getting deals. And I started getting that mindset. It was weird, you know, and I wasn't getting anything. And, uh, and then one day, just I, I don't know, I think I was talking to my dad or somebody. I think it was my dad. We were having breakfast, and I think he said, you know what, just, just put more effort into it like you used to, and I'm sure within this week you're going to have a deal. Well, I was able to call him like early the next week and say, I put three houses in a contract. That's nice. awesome. Like it's just That's getting great. that mental shift again. And, and it's like we didn't, I didn't even really do different marketing over that time period. It's just that all of a sudden things, you know, it's the whole law of attraction thing maybe. But, you know, if you expect to get something, you're more likely to get it. So it's to always, you know, it's, it seems hokey pokey. Or, <laughs> is that the right thing? <laughs> yeah. No. You know, it seems kind of. Funny, but but there's a lot of truth to that, I think. And yeah. so, and even experienced investors can fall into that trap of thinking negatively. It's not just new investors. So it's always yeah. you know, good to take a step back and say, you know, am I just making excuses? Is this really the reality? I don't, you know, it is still easy to get deals. Yeah. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, 
I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb. And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. 
Download the Redfin app to get started today. Right on, man. Right on. Well, all right. So you're a classic introvert, a self-professed uh, you know, uh, classic introvert. Um, gave us a lot of pretty decent advice on ways to kind of overcome, get, get your mindset going, doing, doing your marketing. I mean, your path it seems like a pretty, pretty good path for somebody who doesn't want to necessarily bang on doors or pick up the phone outbound, things like that. Um, what, what other advice do you have for introverts who you know, might just be afraid? Because they're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't particularly love talking to people. I love the numbers. I love real estate, but man, I'm I'm just afraid of people or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not afraid of people, drink, so I don't I don't know. Drink what that's lots about. of coffee. Power up with <laughs> coffee. Nice. No, but but seriously, the no, it's a great question though. I mean, because I I really did struggle with like how the heck am I going to go and talk to strangers and be confident and everything. But um, it's funny because I about other things, I guess maybe I I have trouble small talk with people sometimes and things like that. But when it comes to real estate. I don't know what it is. Like I just, I, you can't shut me up a lot of times with some of it. But so you, you might find something out about yourself if you do do the marketing and you get a call and you've got to take the call and find out some things. And you might just find out that you are great at talking to people with these situations and, you know, have a lot of fun with it. So it's just a matter of trying it because you might be surprised. I was completely surprised. You know, I think during the other podcast episode we did, I think it was 18 was what we said. Yeah. With bigger pockets, I think I told the story of the first phone call that we got. That was a number I didn't recognize, so it was from our marketing. Oh, yeah. And I threw the phone to my wife. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, but and she fumbled around with it, but she, you know, at least she took the call. I think we called them back two or three times afterwards and had to like ask them additional questions. But you know, the next time the phone rang with another caller, I knew what I needed to ask. Yeah, and you develop that over time. But like hey, that. right on. Um, so I've I've got really one last set of quick questions before we move to the fire round. I know Brandon wanted to ask uh, something as well. So you're in a good market. Market's hot, you know, at least on the upside or, you know, positive side. Uh, it's hard to find deals, but you can get rid of them pretty, uh, pretty quickly. I don't foresee that continuing forever. In fact, I, I think things are going to start getting a lot tougher pretty soon for a lot of markets. So you've been, you know, you've been doing this for a, a few cycles now, a cycle and a half, two cycles-ish. Um, how, how does somebody continue running a flipping business when the market is turning the other way and prices are potentially coming down? It's easier to, to, you know, to, to buy those deals, but getting rid of them might be a little more of a challenge. What do you do to remain competitive? And earlier you had spoken about you know, buying properties from people who, who didn't survive. So how do you avoid being that guy? I think it's kind of one general question. Yeah. And it's actually very simple. Um, no, no, but it, it really, it boils down to my whole thing all along. Like I, anytime I hear people talking about a lot of like crazy creative deal type stuff, it really, I don't know. It's just not me. I've never, maybe I'm just a simple person. I don't like to get into complex, crazy, risky situations that sound good on paper, but when you bring in the human element, it just completely falls apart. Um, yeah. You know, so my whole thing has always been like, so, so as an example, somebody says, I'm willing to buy that house as a lease option or a subject to or something. And I, I'll pay tw- uh, like, you know, 20% more than I normally would because it's this type of financing. It's like, I don't like that at all. It's still, you, you're buying a thin deal. I don't care how you try to spice it up and make it seem like something's going to be better because you got some kind of other thing. What yeah. the numbers, numbers boil down to is all I care about. I mean, if I can get it with subject to or something awesome, lower interest rate or something, you know, that's just an extra, it's a cherry on top or something. But I, I always just make sure that you stick with those conservative numbers because the 
and if you always do stick with conservative numbers and buy and never adjust too much to try to you know get more deals, then you're not going to be that person that ends up when the downturn and prices start dropping stuck and then all of a sudden wondering what the heck you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, we good, actually, good advice. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I, you know, there's that famous quote, right, that says like, I think Warren Buffett said about, uh, you know, like a rising tide uh, lifts all ships, but what is it? Like the falling tide shows who's swimming naked. You know, like a lot of like really f- creative, clever, like, you know, like you said, like I'll pay you more now and I'll way overpay for this property because I think the, fi- you know, whatever, like that stuff might work in a great market, but when the market turns, those are the people left swimming naked. I see that, you know, in the last one, a lot of people lost a lot of stuff because they didn't think that could happen to them. Well, I think it's a lot of, well, I was going to say really quick, I think it's a lot of that, but I think it's also a lot of untrained investors. You know, I think it's a lot of folks who get in, you know, and don't know what they're doing, don't know how to evaluate the deals, buy buy thin deals, because not because they're trying to do something fancy, but because they don't know their their head from their tail and they're trusting an agent who probably doesn't know their head from their tail. And I I think that's the bulk of the losers, but I think there's also a big set of losers, not, you know, besmirching these folks, just saying financially (laughs) losing um, uh, who do exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, I agree with you, Josh, you know, it's like wouldn't anytime anyone's trying to tell you the numbers for a deal and they're selling you that deal, (laughs) you know, you might want to get another opinion from somebody else if you're not capable of, of being real sure about, uh, your due diligence and making sure those numbers are accurate. So, yeah. yeah, And a good way to do that is at biggerpockets.com slash calc. Our bigger pockets calculator suites designed for just that purpose. Nice, nice That's plug, an awesome Josh. calculator. That was good. Did you like that? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, cool. Well, before we get out of here and go to the fire round, I want to talk talk a little bit about um, the website idea, right? So people know you often as like the lead propeller guy, right? You run leadpropeller.com and uh, that is an affiliate of Bigger Pockets. So full disclosure, you know, obviously uh, you are an affiliate or we're an affiliate of you. Uh, but I, I love uh, the idea of generating leads from a website and clearly you're the expert on that. Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit about like, you know, what should a good website, a good lead website like what does that need to have why like you know i have one of i have a lead propeller website and it does really really well for me uh why is that i mean what what seo things or what you know what can you tell us about that yeah so with the websites you know no matter what type of website you have you know whether it's lead propeller or not i think more so like you know generating leads through seo and getting your site up in the rankings and and for people that don't know seo is search engine optimization so you optimize your website and try to get back links from other sites and things to get your site to show up in the search results for when people type in things like you know we buy houses or sell my house fast and things like that but that takes time and so uh, what you want to do is include websites on your marketing and things like that and then you can start with also pay-per-click advertising which is google adwords and things like that where you pay to have your ad displayed, but you don't pay to display it. You just pay when someone clicks on your ad. And so you can generate traffic and leads that way. But as far as the website goes, so if you, you know, you, there's ways to get traffic, right? And we talked about SEO and then AdWords pay-per-click. So you can do things now and then build up SEO over time so you get some you know, free traffic. But uh, once you have the traffic to your website, what happens, right? So they're coming there with a purpose. Like they have a situation you know, if we go back to the role playing where you called me and said you had a house for sale, yep. like what is what is the mindset of of what was your mindset? You know, so if you were visiting the website and you wanted to sell a house quick because of that situation, you sort of you want to have the website speak to you. 
you know, that because that's what you're looking for. It, you don't want to like go to a site and have it say something like, you know, we're awesome real estate people sold 20 houses in 2010. <laughs> you know, it's like it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't speak to what you're looking for. So it's got to be very specific. And and people uh, don't understand sometimes when, like there's so many websites now and everything. When people go to a website, typically they're not reading. Like you might think you have a website, people are going to read all the way through it fall in love with it, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. really, they're scanning. Like, they go to the site. If they can't tell what it is about, it doesn't speak to them right away. They're probably bouncing, which means going back, hitting the back button. So the headline goes a long way. So that headline needs to speak to them. And, you know, even just things as simple as we buy houses, get cash for your house within a week or something. Like something that's going to tell them exactly maybe what they're looking to do and get. And and knowing... um you know, that people aren't typically going to scroll down to the bottom of a website. So you want to have your form up at the top to where they know and then they know what you want them to do with your website. So when they go to the website, they need to know really quickly what it's about so it speaks to them and then know what you want them to do on your website. So you have to have a clear call to action to get them to submit that form. And uh, and what we've done with the websites is a two-step process, basically where you have a short form that just gets their contact information and property address. And so it's not overwhelming. Like it's just a real quick thing. And once they submit that, you get a text and an email with those details. And they're taken to a longer form that asks more questions in a specific order so that you maximize how much they answer because it sort of walks them through the reasoning of why they're wanting to sell and all that kind of stuff. And so even if they don't fill out the second one, although in my uh, experience, 95% of people fill out the second one also. But of the ones that don't, you can still contact them because you at least got their initial contact yeah. information. Now, I yeah. wanted to, to share real quick a couple tools that are free, free to use. And it's great because, it, you know, it really shows you, no matter what type of site you have, you know, uh, it will show you what people are doing on your site. And the, the, the company, the product is Sumo Me, so it's S U M O M E, and they've got free. Uh, and I'm not affiliated with them or associated with them at all, so I just think they have really cool tools that are free. So um, you can get those and put those on your site. And what the the two of the tools that I like to use are the heat map tool and the content analysis tool. And so the heat map tool, it's really cool. It'll show you a heat map. It'll it'll have an overlay on your website and you can see where everybody's clicking on your website and the That's frequency cool. of the clicks and everything. So you can see like the hot spots or where they're clicking more and all that kind of stuff. And so you set this thing up to record on your website on whatever page you want to find out where they're clicking and you can view those. And then the content analysis tool shows you sort of like how far they're scrolling down. So it shows what they're looking at and if they scroll down. So when you look at it, like typically the top part is really bright orange, red, yellow, because that's where people see when they get to it. But you'll be amazed a lot of times when you go to the bottom, like no one goes to the bottom. But anyway, yeah. so those tools are awesome. Well, I was, awesome. was going to say, because if most people run a software like that, I mean, if, if you run that on your website, you're going to find out that majority of people, like you said, don't even read your whole site. I mean, like they're there for like two seconds. And if they don't know exactly what to do within those two seconds, they're going to leave. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. And so you got to have a very clear call to action at the top, uh, you know, a, a clear headline, uh, hook them in. And, uh, yeah, you don't need to spend, I mean, 
whatever. I just, I think it's important. And yeah, we, I, I've used Sumo Me a number of times. I actually really like the product as well. And yeah, it's free. So uh, I know that you, I'm going to put up in, you sent me a picture of your actual lead gen site. I'm going to put that in the show notes page at biggerpockets.com slash show 144. I'll put up the actual picture of what yours, you can, people can see where they clicked on your site. It's kind of cool. Just, I don't know, kind of neat thing. So check it out. Also two, two things really quick. Sumo Me, uh, a friend of ours, uh, uh, Noah Kagan, runs that, and and it's it's a great product. And you know, I'm not getting paid to to plug this plug it either. But uh, you know, we we love Noah and we love what he's got there. And and so yeah, definitely recommend folks uh, check out Sumo Me. And then you know, we've been talking about your site's Lead Propeller, and uh, we've got a perk on Bigger Pockets. Uh, for our, our pro members, uh, if you go to biggerpockets.com slash perks, uh, we offer a discount to, to folks who um, uh, purchase lead propeller websites. And we are affiliates. We actually make some money for it. It's a good way to support us, support Danny with great websites. But yeah. um, we, we only really kind of get behind products that we, we like and believe in with founders that we like and believe in as well. Uh, so uh, definitely check that out. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, Go find something else. <laughs> one more, one more cool <laughs> thing. I, I just wanted to say this because I think this is just cool. It's a really good example, um, and this could be used in negotiation at all. But it's something that you do, Danny, with Lead Propeller, and you've done on your site. Uh, but again, people could take this even if they don't use Lead Propeller. They could use it anywhere. The idea that you ask on that secondary form how much or what's your asking price, and then you ask a second question and you said, "What's the lowest you'll take?" I got a lead in like three days ago on an apartment complex, and the guy wrote. What's the you know what is your asking price? Two fifty. What's the least you'll take? Two thirty. In yeah, in one at twenty grand in half a second. He just yeah. told me. I mean, like now I can now that's the point I start negotiating is at two thirty, not at two fifty. Where had that not been? I mean, it, it's so simple, yet so effective. And I just I had to share that. I think that's awesome. No, it is awesome. It's amazing how many people actually give you the lower price. Almost every yep. single person will. Yep. <laughs> you know, they'll tell you an asking price. I mean, I don't know if they're like saying least and then they put that and then they go and change their asking price to be higher. <laughs> but, you know, but they're always different and they're always lower, you know, so they'll give you a, you know, the site yep. will negotiate for you. It's pretty cool to see. I use that just awesome. in, in general negotiation everywhere. So I think, I think it's just a, a cool tip. So yeah. very cool. All right, well, let's move over to the last segment of the show, which we lovingly call our It's time for the fire round. All right. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums. I pulled every one about an hour and a half ago. So these are all fresh, hot off the grill. So number one, uh, I just started a business and I quit my job. Uh, how do I get funding now? How so do you want, get funding Yeah, how do you get funding now? for okay. yeah for his real estate for his real estate deals? How does he get funding? He has no job. Well, you anymore. might want to get a job for <laughs> 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 yourself for a little while. Um, but anyway, you know, because you got to have something to live on. With real estate, you know, the paychecks might be a little bit uh, of time between them, but they can be big, which is great. But yeah, you, you don't want to end up doing things quickly, making bad decisions because you don't have income coming in. So that's always recommended. But, um, you know, if, yeah, so if, you, if you're not maybe, and I, I'm guessing what you're meaning is like you can't go to the bank and get yeah. funding for a deal. We never went to a bank to get funding for our deals either, so you can definitely do this. The way that my wife and I got started was with a, a mentor that put up the money for the deals, and we, we did all the work. We found the deals, negotiated, put them under contract, handled the rehabs, and sold them, and then we split the profits 50-50. So we didn't really have any risk because we didn't put any money into it. The mentor did. And the way to get – and so a lot of people leave the answer at that, right? So it's like, 
get a, get a mentor and they'll put half the money. <laughs> so how do you get that person though? I said I could pay 50000 to get that mentor, can I? Oh no, that's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't have money, you know so you're not going to pay the fifty thousand. But yeah, was, you know. yeah, right, right. So that's yeah. So you can go to real estate investor association meetings, right? And and most cities have these. Um, most of the time, I think they're free to go to. It's been a long time since I've been to one, but yeah, you need to talk around, get out of your comfort zone, talk to people, and it can just be about asking who here has been doing this the longest. Who's like who? Can you give me a name of somebody in town that's been doing a lot of deals for a long time? And and even ask, hey, do you know if they, they mentor people? And uh, you want to find out who that is, right? So there's probably a couple people in most places that, that people know of that do this to train other people. And and not necessarily for money either. You know, not like someone that's going to be like, oh, it's 50000 and I'll train you for a day or something. Yeah. Uh, but you can find out who's like active investor and willing to mentor and stuff like that. And I don't recommend going immediately to that person and introducing yourself and saying, hey, mentor me. Or, hey, can you mentor yeah, me? Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do it. It's awkward. Then, it's weird. It's like going up to a girl yeah. and being like, will you marry me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you, but you know, will you marry me? Absolutely. Did, did that work it's for you? Weird. Absolutely. That, <laughs> it took a yeah, few not years. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. So then, so what, so what you do though is you make sure that you get your education right because you don't want to be asking them questions that you can easily learn on bigger pockets or somewhere else. Yeah. Get as much education as you can. Start your marketing. Start getting calls. You get a good lead. You can call that person or talk to that person. You might want to introduce yourself to them at some point and make a, you know, some small talk stuff. But you know, you get that lead and then you contact them and just basically say, look, I got this hot lead. I think it's a good deal. You know, would you mind helping me analyze it? And, you know, maybe we can do this deal together or I can wholesale it to you or something. Get your foot in the door. And they, the fact that you're out there going after it is going to tell them so many things about you. Yeah. And they're going to want to work with. So that's how you do it. Yeah, I think that that tip was fantastic. I mean, like, because so many people ask me, will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? But nobody's ever brought a deal and said, will you mentor me through this deal? That would make all the difference, right? Like, I mean, I would be happy to help somebody with a deal that they bring if they want to split the deal with me, right? I mean, like, come on, like, I don't have to do anything. Greedy, greedy. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I mean, it would tell me that they're they're serious that they've already started their marketing anyway. I, I think that's fantastic. So, all right, next fire round question. Yes, yeah, so we are. Our fire round is become a not so fiery <laughs> fire round. We got to we got to keep these. Snappy oh, I'm sorry. So we yeah, can that's me. Oh, I just it's okay. ramble on about this stuff. Yeah, a little bit, but it's it's okay. We don't. You know, we're not mad at you. You know, surely this okay. next well, question is, is going to have like a ten minute answer as well. But well, no, I'll make it five words. <laughs> well, well. All right, hi guys. Should I do it in the voice? No, I'm not. Gonna. You should hi do guys, it in the voice. My name is Jennifer. Hi Jennifer. Who to hold? Oh, hi. How are you? Are we going to role play? Uh, <laughs> hi guys. <laughs> my name is Jennifer and I'm new to wholesaling. I just sent out a batch of yellow letters and got my first phone call. Unfortunately, it was an angry caller. I guess he was upset because he received my letter. He left a voicemail because I didn't get to answer. How do you guys react to these calls? Okay, see, I was born in 19... Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, was your boy. It was this tattoo. This is going somewhere. Trust me. We just have to get through my my. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So, yeah, you're gonna get those calls when you do marketing. There's and you just have to ignore them. Yeah. Take them off your mailing list and move on because you will get calls from people that are like, "I need your help," and I'm so glad I found you. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So the ones who say, I'm going to call the cops if you keep mailing me or, you know, I'm going to come kick your butt, just move on. Ignore them. Yeah. And that's always the, the, well, I don't know if it's funny, but, you know, I've had somebody call me before and 
you know, go through this long rant where they were going to kick my butt and all kinds of stuff. And at the end, I had to say, well, I need your address so I can take you off my list. <laughs> and obviously, they didn't <laughs> want to do it at that thing, all those things, so they just hung up. But the next time I mailed, I got a call. And I know it's the same guy, but it was like a different voice. And he's like, uh, could you please take me off your list? You know, here's my address. <laughs> well, that's funny. <laughs> but anyway. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's just what it is. You ignore them. If you're, getting, if you're getting critics and you're getting people angry, it means you're probably doing something right. I mean, generally speaking. So cool. All right. Third question. All right. I just sent out a collection of 550 direct mail letters and I got zero phone calls. What am I doing wrong? All right. So the first thing to look at is your list. So I guess you, you're, did he say absentee owner? He didn't say. Okay. Yeah. So you, the first thing to look at is your list. Is it old? Is it, uh, is it not narrowed down to, to have any, signs of uh, why people might be motivated. So, you know, a lot of people target absentee owner and that could be something with competition because if you're getting some list that's really easy to get, you might have a lot yeah. of other people mailing that list. So the first thing I would do is look at your list and drill it down. So if you, you look at your list and, you know, if it's not very targeted, so you, you could, even if you said, I want absentee owner, but you just select it on a map somewhere and maybe you're targeting areas where the property values are, like way above median, <laughs> you know, the likelihood of someone with a house that value calling you is pretty slim. Yeah. So you sort of need to narrow down your criteria. And uh, I, mean, I don't know. If you want me to go into a little bit of criteria, I can, but we can. Um, it's up to you. Josh? I, I mean, I, I think. <laughs> fire around. I think, we're, I think we're good at the, the, you know, quick and dirty. Check your list. Make sure you're sending to, to a solid list that not everyone and their, their mom is sending to. And then, you know, if that list looks like it's okay, you know, you may want to look at the content of what you're actually sending. Right. You, you, Most of the you, time it's a list though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. All right. Uh, last question of the fire round. Somebody offered me a free property. What's the worst that could happen? Well, is this real? Yeah, yeah, somebody put that in the in the forums. That, that is a legitimate question. <laughs> like, is it is it a slam dunk? No matter if there's a free property, is that slam dunk for sure. It's a good deal. Wow, free property. Let's see. I've offered a thousand dollars for a house before. That's close to free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if there's um, you know, not not certain problems with the house that could end up getting you sued or something. Yeah. You know, or or some like liens or something. I mean, if you do your due diligence, to still make sure there's not some sort of lawsuits or. You know, first of all, you have to ask why is it, you know, why are you giving it away for free? I mean, that's what I would find out. But, you know, probably if everything titles clear and everything's good, I don't know that you could really lose. Well, so, but, but you said the key things, right? Check title, make sure there's no liens, yeah. make sure there's no lawsuits. If all that stuff kind of checks out and uh, there's no problems with the, the property, then you're probably in a fairly decent position, right? Sure. Yeah. I got, yeah. I got a lead one time on a house that was, uh, I think they were asking like ten thousand for it or something like that. And I went and looked at it, and even if I put a paid full price for it, it would have cost me ten grand to tear the thing down, and the property value itself was worth like nothing. I mean, it maybe even cost me like let's say I offered them, yeah, even their full price. I I could not have made money on it probably, maybe a couple grand, maybe after closing costs, but I don't even know. So anyway, uh, interesting question. Anyway, so well, I mean, there's other stuff for mediation, right? I mean, yeah, if it's the all asbestos yeah. or something. Yeah. Asbestos. I mean, there's there's a so lot. That gets, of, yeah, it gets into a lot of the why. Why is it free? Yeah, yeah. What's the yeah. issue? And free doesn't always. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what we're all here saying is, don't necessarily just say yes because somebody's giving you a free property because there's plenty of free properties up in Detroit <laughs> that may not be worth having. 
There the you property go. that I offered a thousand dollars on the house actually was a, a house that had pier and beam foundation, so it had cedar post supporting it. Yep. Well, at some point in the past, what the owner at some point decided he wanted a slab, right? A slab foundation. So what did he do? He went the easy route and just pumped concrete underneath the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh my gosh! Uh, wow. This thing was all cracked up with like four inch wide cracks, and so it was crazy. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Don't do okay. that either, people. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on to the end of the show, which we call our Famous Four. These questions are asked of every guest every week. And uh, I know you've been on the show before, so you answered these, but we'll ask them again. Maybe they've changed. Number one, what is your favorite real estate book? I would say I should have prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that title. Who's it by? Yeah, who's that uh, No, no, it's not. It's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm for some reason I'm just thinking uh, rich dad, poor dad. It's not really real estate, but just thinking in general. Of, yeah, a good choice is always Sorry. the book in investing with no one, no money down. Oh yeah, my book is always a good choice to so, choose. Sometimes I, I absolutely. Oh, thanks, good. Or, right. or millionaire real estate investor. Okay, that's a good Very one too. Good. All right, cool, cool. What about fa- uh, business book? Any any business books that you've read lately that have uh, captivated you? Yeah, the one thing. Yeah, I love that book. Good book. Yeah. Nice, nice, cool. All right, hobbies. What what have you been doing for fun lately? Well, I wish I've had more time to to fly. So I fly a, a little airplane, but a little two seat prop plane. I have a lot of fun in. That's Is it the my, little that's one cool. that's on your arm. You kind of like you know. <laughs> you, you know uh, it's exactly what he does, Josh. This guy's an, this guy's an idiot, Danny. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that's no, right. But, um, yeah, so that, and then I've got five kids, so they, you know, love my kids oh. and my family. We spend a lot of time and have a lot of things to do with them. So we've got twins that turned 16 this year and got cars, and so that's interesting. But Wow. Yeah. Twins, 16. Good luck to you, buddy. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My final question of the day. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? They go into it without thinking there's a chance they're going to fail, right? So it's... I'm going to make it happen. It's like what we talked about earlier. We're going to make it happen no matter what. Um, no matter what happens, as things come my, come our way and things problems come up, I'm just going to find out how to get past them or change what I'm doing. But no matter what, I'm going to make this happen. Perfect. Love it. Love it. All right. Where can people find out more about you? They can find out more about me at flippingjunkie.com. That's my blog. So flippingjunkie.com. I've been blogging there for a long time. And then uh, I've got a book on... Amazon called Flipping Houses Exposed, and that's 34 weeks of my life as a real estate investor, all the leads that I got, and analysis of all those and all that kind of stuff. And then also just released the Flipping Junkie podcast, and uh, it's awesome, I think. Uh, (laughs) I was on it, so it must be. I think, yeah. No, but the first person I interviewed was my father. And so anybody that's followed the blog for a while probably would be pretty interested in that conversation. And then the second interview, I actually had Brandon in the hot seat. So more about Brandon. There you go. Right on. Right on. Cool, man. Well, thank you for coming back on the show. We definitely appreciate it. I, I think there was a... A lot of pretty good information, uh, you know, as as always. So uh, we we definitely appreciate you being here, and and uh, of course, uh, you know, we we thank you for being part of the community of of bigger pockets, and and uh, look forward to seeing you around. All right. Well, thanks for having me back. It shows that I didn't really mess it up too much on the first. <laughs> 
Maybe the bigger pockets tattoo helped get me back on the show. It, nice. it did. Yeah. That was your ticket. Yeah. That's cool. Right. Right. Thank you, Danny. All right, Danny. Thanks right, thank so much, you. man. See you around. All right, guys. Big thanks to Danny Johnson again for coming on the show. We definitely appreciate him coming out of his shell for today's show. Uh, a great interview. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So uh, I guess, you know, ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. You guys know the drill. And yeah. uh, we'll see you around. We'll see you around for sure. Thank you for being a part of Bigger Pockets. Thanks for engaging. And today's one actionable thing I want you to do to help us out. I know we help you. I want you to help us share this thing. Share this podcast, not just this show, share any of the shows. Go on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on Pinterest, whatever you use, one of your other social media that is not Bigger Pockets, and share Bigger Pockets. Let, let people know about the show and help get the word spread because uh, we help so many people and, and there's so much to gain from these interviews and we just want more and more people to be successful. And so please do that. So that's it. Otherwise, let's get out of here. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.